I'm Alfonso Mendoza, host of the My Ed Tech Life podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, coming soon to Teaching Learning Leading K-12, Ed Curation, where we reshape learning podcasts and Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are doing a show swap. That's right. This is so cool. Ed Curation is sharing one of my shows on theirs, and I'm sharing one of theirs on my show. You're going to love the episode and the show. Make sure that you check it out, and don't forget to tell them that you heard about their show here on Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Ha <laughs> ha. So cool. Coming soon. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Amy Buckley. Amy is the founder and CEO of Study Help Incorporated. She's also a veteran public school teacher of 20 plus years. Today, we're focused on talking about how parents can get academic help for their children and why they should want to uh, be advocates for them. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And, and by, by the way, before you go, it would be so awesome if you would go to my website, stephenmiletto.com reviews and uh, left a review for the podcast. Could you do that? That would be so cool. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Boone Titanium Rings found on the web at boonrings.com is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Amy Buckley, founder and CEO of Study Help Incorporated, is a veteran public school teacher. Study Help Incorporated is a tutoring platform that connects top quality teachers with students who are looking for a better understanding and to better themselves in academic skills. Her platform solves many of the issues of traditional tutoring services. Students from anywhere in the world can connect with top-notch teachers at a time that works for them. It is also the only platform of its kind that has a C-suite member who is credentialed teacher and knows what skills students need to master at every level. Study Help Incorporated is not to guarantee A's on every assignment, but to teach students and to help them grasp the skills and concepts they need to be successful. The A's will be a natural result. For the first five years of her career as a teacher, Amy taught students with emotional issues due to neglect or trauma. She then moved on to teaching students with mild to moderate disabilities. She's taught in this position for the last 20 years. Most teachers are experts on the content they deliver. Amy is an expert at teaching. She prides herself in making the content accessible to her students. Amy, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast, Stephen. Well, glad to have you here. And uh, before we go any further, you've been teaching for a while. Let's talk about teaching. What do you like most about working with kids? Well, there's never a boring day, is there? <laughs> There's always some sort of adventure that happens. And I can't imagine having a job where I don't have those relationships and those experiences. So 
just working with kids, it's always an adventure. It's exciting. I love watching them learn and grow and develop. And as a high school teacher, I really get to see that. And I'm not just talking about the fact that they come in at four feet tall and leave at six, five. <laughs> I, I mean, like that. <laughs> emotionally and mentally, they just change and evolve so much. And I love watching that happen. And I love connecting with them later on in their lives and following them and seeing them get married and have children and have these wonderful jobs and just live happy, fulfilled lives. That's so awesome. Is that, that you're, you're so right. That's such a cool aspect of being in high school is that you really do see I this, do. this major shift <laughs> and uh, yeah. which is really cool. So I got to ask you this. So you've been teaching, you're still teaching. If, if you could travel back in time and go back to the day before you first stepped into your first classroom, what advice would you give you? As a teacher and as a veteran teacher, I think the thing that you learn the most, and I was talking to another teacher about this today, a PE teacher, is that the relationships that you develop with your students are the most important part of being able to teach them the content in their curriculum, because if they trust you and they feel confident and safe in your classroom, they're going to be willing to ask questions. They're going to feel more adventurous in their answers, and they're going to be more invested in what they do because they're not going to want to submit work that they feel is less than their best. You know, it's one of the things that, uh, I wish we could travel back in time because there are things that I would change about how I started out, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it would be nice. So, so let's, we're going to shift now to talking about study help mm-hmm. incorporated. So what was the original idea that inspired you to create study help? I mean, where, where that, what got into your brain that said, I need to do this. Well, it's something that I've thought about for quite some time because in a 56 minute period with, however many number of students in the classroom, it's very difficult to spend that quality one-to-one time with the students that sometimes you really feel like you need. And I'm lucky in that in my classroom, I have a smaller classroom, so I do get to invest more time. But in a classroom of 32 or 35 students, that's really impossible. When you think about the amount of time that the teacher has per student, it really divides down to one to two minutes per student. And with everything that happened in the last year and a half, it really felt like it was the right time. I also know that the tutoring services that are available out in the world are mostly college students. Sometimes they're substitute teachers. They're not credentialed teachers. They're not professionals that have a background in education that understand the curriculum, that understand how to teach the curriculum. They are people who have gone through the curriculum and probably done really well, but that doesn't mean that they are experts at it by any means. That makes perfect sense. I mean, one of the things that, uh, I mean, just, you know, being able to get the help from uh, somebody who works with, who understands the, you know, has been working with the content for a while and understands the content at that type of level in helping kids understand it has got to be a, um, 
you know, you'd like to have that for your child, I guess, is my point as a parent. Right. And as a former teacher and administrator yourself, you know that everyone learns differently. So a teacher isn't going to teach the way they learned. They're going to teach the way you learn. So if we have a student who's a visual learner, we're going to present the information visually. If we have an auditory learner, we're going to do it that way. If we have a kinesthetic learner, we're going to do it that way. And we're going to pull in the things that our students find the most exciting or the most interesting. So if I'm trying to teach how to read and I know I have a student that loves orcas, I actually have a student that loves orcas, which is why that popped in my head. So I make everything about orcas and I have a student who in math loves hippos. So I write hippo math problems because it just creates that engagement for the student because then it becomes relatable. I had a student who was so into trains, so into trains. So in history, okay, you're going to do a project on the trains in World War II. In math, turn it into trains. In English, turn it into trains. And now he drives a train. He legitimately drives a train for a living. So it was relevant to him. And that, so he was engaged. That's so cool. And especially that he now drives trains. That, I know. We, we see him drive by and we wave and he leans out and waves to us. It's pretty awesome. That's, that is awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that, nice. So tell me, I mean, where do you get the teachers? I mean, who are the teachers that, uh, and what subjects do you offer? Well, this is a very good question because I am not only a school teacher. This is something that wasn't in my bio, but surprise, I'm also a Kung Fu teacher. And I have a network of Kung Fu schools around the country that we've done tournaments with and we travel and they're our friends. And the interesting thing about martial arts teachers that a lot of them are actually school teachers too. So in Boston and New York and Las Vegas and Florida, I have friends who are teachers. And so they have their network of teachers. So when I'm looking for something specific, I have all these resources of people that I can reach out to. So there's no one on our site that I don't know is going to provide quality instruction. They're really well vetted by me because that's important to me. I want to make sure that if a student is showing up, that they're going to get the best experience possible. And I know that they are because I get so much good feedback from parents and students saying goodbye at the end of our session is like a five to 10 minute process. There's so many air high fives and last minute things they want to tell you. So I know that they're learning, they're growing, they're enjoying that connection and that time with a teacher. That's cool. But by the way, I got to say, what an interesting network. I've never, never would have thought about the number of teachers that are probably out there teaching martial arts. And you have that as a network. (laughs) Cool. I know it's, it seems a little bit unique. It's very unique. Not only is it unique, it also sounds like it's like a 
soon to be a TV show or something. By day, they're teachers. At night, they're martial artists. And yeah. some of them are ninjas. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, I certainly have a lot of good stories. I can I imagine. I think I uh, surprise a lot of students because they assume they see me as a high school teacher and then something will happen. Um, something goes flying through the air and I just grab it out of the air. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's that is very cool. But what, a, but also what a cool network that 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 be accessing this across these different states. The the network of martial arts teachers. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It, okay. So that that's definitely probably one of the most different answers I've ever gotten <laughs> to a question. I like that. But, uh, so let's shift to talking about discovering ways to help your children. I mean, in normal times, and what I mean by that is uh, prior to uh, COVID. Right. Um, yeah, what could a parent usually do to help their child, you know, become successful during the school year? I know that homework is often a battle and there are a lot of things that parents can do at home to relieve that stress. I think one of the things that teachers often do in the classroom is gamify things. So taking something that your child needs to do and figuring out how to make it a game turn something that is they're dreading into something that is fun, that they look forward to making sure that they have a, a space that's dedicated to that. I think it's really tough when it's the kitchen table and someone's cooking and then someone's watching television and people running through the space to stay focused and disrupting the focus. It's often really hard to, pull that focus back into what they're doing once it's been pulled off in different directions. So establishing a dedicated space, figuring out ways to help your child, especially the younger children, turn things into a game. I'd say for the older children, for teenagers, I like to alternate and also for younger children, alternate more difficult tasks with easier tasks so that they don't have all of the hard stuff first or all of the hard stuff last, that they get that dopamine pop of completion from something that they feel like they can do relatively easily. They're all things that as teachers we do in the classroom, right? Try and get them up and moving and, and turn things into more, more engaging and interesting lessons. Gotcha. You know, it's, it's, uh, and I think sometimes uh, we mean well as parents, but uh, it, it's, you kind of leave kids to their own devices. And if they don't really understand that, you know, it might be better to be at that table over there <laughs> than <laughs> to be on the couch and uh, having, you know, three different media devices on. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, we know how hard that is for us. <laughs> exactly. We have more developed brains. So. <laughs> That's, that's one of my favorite things. It's like uh, helping a, someone um, try and get better at something. And you're like, you know, first of all, how are you doing this with you got ear pods in and you got the TV on and you're trying to concentrate? Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Because that's right. that's uh, good, good stuff. I, you know, one of the things that uh, um, I want to make sure I ask you about is that, uh, you know, and this is prior to COVID because we got we're getting ready to get to COVID times. But uh 
you know, one of the things that happens during summer, you know, is a lot of times we have to figure out uh, how to help help our kids deal with uh, not losing academic ground with uh, the distance that might happen there. You got any thoughts about that? Yes, I have a lot of fun things to do. So one of the things that you can do in terms of writing is have a communication journal and kids eat this up. So what is a communication journal? A communication journal is something that you share in the family. So maybe I, as a parent, will write a question to my child and then they respond to it in writing. And then I get it back and I respond to them. And then they get it back and they can ask me something new or they can ask someone else. And you share it around the family. And kids love that. Even my seniors in high school, I have them do journal entries every day. And they are so, they always want to see what I wrote. So I, I, I know for me that I need to make that a priority to respond to every one of those journals. So one of our journal entries was what makes a life well-led and how important is that for me to respond to them, to acknowledge what they think makes a good life because we're doing the hero's journey right now and just engaging like that back and forth And I know as parents, a lot of times when you have two working parents, it's really difficult to have all that personal time, but that's something that you can do at work on your lunch, respond to your child and then bring it home and they write in it and then you go back to work and do it. So you don't have to be face-to-face, but you can still have that developing that interpersonal communication. And it's a great way to practice writing because I think a lot of students, well, I know a lot of students will say, oh, I'm not good at writing or I don't know what to say. And they do, they have thoughts and they're great thoughts. They're just afraid to put them on paper. So by practicing that skill, it makes them more confident and more comfortable doing that in the classroom. Very good advice. I like that. That's just one. No, that's nice. That's good. I, I like have it. lots of them like war. You can do war, but instead of doing individual cards, you can do addition war, right? Right. You can do multiplication war. I do it with adding positive and negative integers where the red cards are negative and the black cards are positive. Um, having family reading time where everyone sits down and reads. I think it's good for adults too. I mean, honestly, because it forces you as an adult. I know a lot of families that really enjoy that time because they wouldn't do it otherwise, but, but they think I need to be an example for my child. So it actually gets them into a good habit too. Now, that's good stuff there. Cause that day out, that's, it does. It Cause if, if you get in your head that, no, I've got to make this time happen. So my child is also reading which means mm-hmm. that for me, that works out as a reward also, because I, I could be coming up with a million things that I need to be doing. Right. And I mean, like we all, the laundry. Right. We all can be doing that. Exactly. It's like, you know, the, the lawn, the laundry, the, it's going to be a bunch of other L words there. You know, it's just kind of like, really, we got to do this, that. And, and by scheduling that time, you know, it's like, I mean, when I was a principal, one of the things I learned was that I had to schedule time 
sounds silly, but to be with my family instead of with the, yeah. s- the school. So I like that idea of scheduling that reading time. Excellent. Good stuff. I, and, you know, now we've had, let's, so now we've talked in the pretend world of without COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we've had COVID and uh, over the recent COVID impacted times, you know, there's been a focus on virtual classes and now many of the children are returning to face-to-face classrooms, especially in my state. Uh, how can parents help their children get back on track as they return to school? I think it's really important for all of us to appreciate the fact that this is going to take time, that it's not going to be an immediate change. We're not going to, you know, put the nitro in the fuel tank (laughs) that this is a, this is a process. And one of the things in my own classroom is letting my students have that interpersonal time because in the beginning I would say, okay, at five minutes before the end of the period, I'm going to let you all talk to each other. And it would just be silent. <laughs> and, and a high school classroom, silent, that's weird, <laughs> right? Yes, so it I is. had to help them to have that again. So even though we're back in the classroom, I know a lot of teachers are trying to take some of their instruction time for that because it's so important to do that as well. So we just need to appreciate the fact that it's going to take time, but that they'll get caught up and that we're all in the same boat. It's not like your child was out and everyone else was in school. So we're all still moving along at the same pace um, I, I do believe that more children have more areas of concern right now and really focusing on those. And I think it's really important that as adults, we look to see where we can support them the most, where they need the most help, what are their challenges so that we can scaffold that area and try and build it up and, and get those skills back for them. That's excellent. The, uh, you know, you got me thinking about all kinds of stuff because it's kind of like, you know, it's getting back on track. Now, you know, it's funny. I think about what I was like in, in high school and uh, younger. And uh, if I could uh, procrastinate, I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could procrastinate with the best of them. All right. And what, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I did well in school and I always wonder, I mean, not always. I mean, I just kind of think about uh, with me, I would have been somebody who I, yeah, it would have, it would have put me behind because I would have found out ways of procrastinating better. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to sit down in front of the computer and that means that when do I have to, to turn stuff in? Well, you know, I'm not sure if it's really due. Is it due? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I could get really good at playing that game of uh, when is it really due or something like this. Now I, I was a good kid. I mean, I didn't cause trouble, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh um, if I could, if there was, you know, not really a dead set time frame in which something to be done or something like this, that was my worst enemy. And I can't imagine what it would be like today. I mean, I, when you run into your kids trying to get caught up, I mean, is that kind of one of the, I mean, issues that you have is just kind of getting back into the reality of this is how really we're going to work with, you know, school works this way. We have this stuff to do at certain times and things like this. I mean, have you run into that? I actually haven't. Nice. Yeah. And 
And the other thing I found really surprising was I anticipated a lot of anxiety coming back into the classroom. And I really didn't find that. There was a lot of joy. We had a discussion today in my sixth period about if you could change something about school, what would you change? And one of the students said, um, I would have a shorter day. And the other kids were like, are you crazy? We had that last year. It was terrible. You never got to see your friends. And it was really interesting that how students look at school has changed so much. Whereas in the past it was, uh, I have to go to school, you know, even when we went to school it was the same. It's probably been the same forever, but the fact that they didn't have it has made them so much more appreciative. And I'm also finding that attendance is much better. My kids are coming to school because they want to see their friends because they know what it's like when they couldn't. So I I think that there's, there's a lot of learning that did happen and appreciation that happened. That's cool. That's very cool. And I know, I know in the areas where I am, you see the same sort of thing. The kids have got most, for the most part, they have a greater appreciation Mm -hmm. for being able to be in that building that they've, couldn't wait to get out of so many times. <laughs> yeah. And the truth is that they have virtual academies now for the kids that really dug doing school online. And I know that there are some, I mean, I had a student who was autistic who God, that was the greatest thing on the planet because he didn't have to interact socially at lunch. There was no awkward times between classes where so really all of his time was learning was this way and it helped him really focus because it took that social part out now maybe not the best for his social development but there's other ways you can do that but as far as academically he really thrived in that environment that's excellent i could see that too because with there's some kids who have the real need for, you know, not as much stimulation through the, mm-hmm. you know, not having to deal with the stuff that's going on in the hallways. I mean, that's tremendous for many kids who, who it's just, there's too much coming at one time and it's going to interfere with how I see the world. And uh, they may, you know, I've dealt with kids who just wanted to avoid the hallways simply just for that, just because there's so much going on. But uh, that's, that's an interesting aspect, which would, I could just see that the the virtual classroom really benefiting kids who, struggle with that type of distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. I, so let's kind of shift into another thing because you as a special ed teacher, I'm guessing that you've kind of gone these, uh, these different routes in helping uh, uh, parents understand uh, what an IEP is all about and how to get support for their children. And just because you work with special ed doesn't mean that it doesn't fit just for all, for all mm-hmm. kids. So, I mean, how can you support and advocate for your child, you know, as a parent to get the best possible services at a public school? I mean, what do you think about that? First, I think you do have to advocate because there's limited resources. And I hate to say that, but there really are. So it really is the families that advocate. And I know as a teacher, a lot of teachers really advocate for students, but it's much more powerful coming from a parent. When you as a parent are advocating, understand that the teacher is 
probably most likely 95% of the time on the same page as you. They can't always say it because obviously we work for the school district and that is considered (laughs) a major no-no in front of you as the parent. But that doesn't mean that when the door closes and you've left the building that that teacher isn't there fighting for you. And I think a teacher is a great resource and that as a parent, the, the better you communicate with your teacher and the more you appreciate their interaction and that you're on a team, the better resources and the better outcome you're going to have for your student. I think, you know, I, what it's, what's interesting about it, what you're talking about is that, uh, I think it's so important for a parent to do their best to, to not be, you know, not to come in with like all guns a blazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all cannons firing everything off at once. But the idea that uh, to come in and, and, and say, I need to talk with you about my child and things that, you know, what's going on? Are we taking care of? Is he in the right classes or whatever? You know, it's, it, it's kind of a crazy, crazy thing to think about, uh, and, and I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not so much that you're trying to manipulate or to try and uh, be a helicopter parent or anything like this. It's just that I think I, I do think that it's important for parents to, to, to speak up. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. And use your teachers as resources. Say, I think my student, my child needs help in math. How can I get them help in math? Yeah, Exactly. That's all you have to say. And that teacher is going to do everything they can to find those resources for you. Most definitely. Most definitely. That's so important. And I, and I, I mean, think, that, yeah, let's face the facts. No one's doing it for the power and the money, <laughs> and the celebrity, right? Especially yeah, that's it. <laughs> in this day and age, being yes. a teacher is a tough job. I mean, we get pretty, pretty hammered out in the press and the world, but you have to you have to know why you're there. Otherwise, you won't be there anymore. Right? I completely agree with you. You really do. And it's you know it's it, you know we're we're here. We're service industry. You're here for the kids. And absolutely. And you have to be. And if it's if you're not, there's a problem. But at the same time, it's also like I think we also have to remember that you know the for the most part, kids have some sort of adult that's there with them. Whether you know some of them. I'm not sure had great role models for what a parent is, but right. most of them, my experience has been, I haven't done a scientific study on this, but I can tell you that most adults, when you talk with them, they, they may not know what to do, but that's what they want to know is how can mm-hmm. I help them? And sometimes they just approach it the wrong way, which is to come in yelling, thinking that uh, that's the only way to get your attention. And that's sad yeah. that they think that, but uh, because obviously some colleagues have forced them into that that arena. But I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that uh, we tend to be, be on the same side. We just have to figure out how to work together and hear each And I think this is it, hear each other. <laughs> right. Right. Because it'll work out in the end. It's going to work out best for a kid. I mean, that's what we're mm-hmm. trying that's to do. That's what we want. Yeah. And I, and I think it's so important. So, so let's shift just a little bit because you noticed that I left out the part. So let's say, now what about when the child has a disability? I think it's the same thing. You just really have to advocate and talk to your case manager and ask the right questions and 
try and condense your community, <laughs> your communication, which might seem like a funny thing to say. Uh, I try and respond to every email, but sometimes I try and respond to every email promptly, but I'm also teaching. So I, if I get five, six emails from the same parent in a day, that's a lot of my time. Whereas if you just sent one email with all of your questions, that would be a much more efficient <laughs> manner. And I learned that I would have these parties at the end of the year. Well, I wouldn't have them. I would be invited to graduation parties. And it was always so, you know, oh, Mrs. Buckley, we love you. We're going to miss you so much. And, you know, so nice. And then I would think back to when they were freshman parents and, oh my gosh, you know, like they were so freaking out all the time. <laughs> so I decided, you know, why am I waiting to the end to have these parties? So now when students come in and they are in my caseload, I say, let's have a chat and you can tell me all about your child and your goals and what you want to get out of high school and what you need from me so that they go in feeling like I'm on their side from the beginning, because it takes a lot of the stress away from the parent. And it takes a lot of stress away from me <laughs> because then I don't get these panicked emails Right. Because they then they just ask the question because they know that I'm going to be there to help them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I, I think, sorry, you just brought back lots of memories. <laughs> it's like, holy crud. Yeah. I got um, any number of stories to go with that, if, with, with what you're just talking about there. And, it, and uh, you know, and it's if we can work through this, I mean, if we can do this or we can do that. And, then, you know, and it's funny because, uh, you know, you, you're looking straight at something uh, you're, you're looking beyond me and there's a, a Buzz Lightyear up there on the wall and the, without going into the long story that was given to me by a parent for for being patient with her and her, her child and helping them through a lot of issues and challenges and uh, um, and it was so cool to come back and find that <laughs> with this note mm -hmm. written on it um, because uh, sometimes you know the battles we had before that <laughs> mm -hmm. I never saw that coming let's put it that way <laughs> And, you know, I think it's it's one of those things where it's just kind of trying to work through and hear each other so that it can mm -hmm. work out best for their child. Yeah, because we're on the same team. Right. I remember. want their child to be successful, too. And I never would want a child to feel like I didn't give them their my best. I'm going to give every child my best. It doesn't it's not about my paycheck or, you know, anything ridiculous like that. I mean, how could I live with myself if I didn't? Because this is meaningful to me. It's important. I want them to be successful. I want to see them walking down the street and have them run up to me and tell me all about their life. Um, we took a field trip. We took a field trip down to the dairy, which is, um, it's like this hundred year old dairy where they, you walk up and then you can get ice cream. And I told my students, you know, we're going to do all the fun things this year. And on the way I see one former student and she runs up and she's, Oh, I haven't announced it yet, but I'm pregnant. And, you know, 
this is great. She works at the bank and all this stuff. And then we're walking further and another student comes running up. She's like, Mrs. Buckley, I'm going to college tomorrow and big hug. And then we get to the dairy and one of them, my students from last year runs up to us, Mrs. Buckley, can, can I wait on you guys? And that, I mean, how there's no money that is equivalent to that. Really? You got that right. right. If you said I would give you a million dollars to wipe those memories away, I would say, no, that's not worth it. (laughs) Not at all. I got to tell you, I used to tell uh, my staff that the best, the best part of it being a high school principal and, and, and what's funny is an elementary principal is who made me think about this because she asked me to talk to the kids um, K through uh, five about uh, what I do as a principal. And I'm like, what do I, I said, what do I talk to? Yeah, that's a broad range of ages. I said, what do they want to hear? I mean, deal with high schools, high schoolers all the time. And she said, they want to know what you like about your job, what you don't like about your job and how much money you make. And she said, and so they have no concept of money, so they think it, that we're all rich. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was cool because I had never really thought about that until she asked me that question. And so it's, it's neat because I used to tell people, I said, you know, when I think about it, one of the things I love about my job is graduation. And they would say, oh, that's because you want to get rid of the kids. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, no, that's not it at all. I said, it's because as a high school principal, I'm on the stage. And when they line up over there across from me, I'm the first face they see. I'm looking at them. And when their name's announced, I get to see their face. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. There's nothing like it. Because it's like, you see, I don't care how cool they think they are. They they walk a little differently. They, you know, they just, they got this mm-hmm. excitement happening. You could power the entire country, I think, from the energy of one graduation. And it's <laughs> It's the coolest thing because then I get to either shake their hands or they give me a hug or, you know, they high five, whatever, whatever happens as they're posed for that picture that's ha- getting ready to happen. Yeah, it's the coolest thing. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's just some of the excitement. You just, I would never trade those memories. Right. Good stuff. That's, <laughs> now you really got me thinking about some, some awesome things. That's nice. I like that. <laughs> the, uh, you know, it, let's talk a little bit about this. If someone wanted to become a teacher for you at study help, what would be their first step? To become a teacher, they would just contact me. Um, my email, they can either email me or if they go on our website, there's a button that you push for a free educational consultation, which is if anyone is looking for tutoring, that's where they would go to. And then it's going to bring you to my calendar and you can schedule time at your convenience and then we will get together and chat very cool and i was gonna get ready to ask that next part which you kind of answered there so if i'm a parent and i want to engage study help can you just reinforce that right so they go to the website there's a button for a free educational consult and they click the button and it will take you to my calendar and then we will have a meeting and i'm going to ask some questions i'm going to the first thing i'm going to ask is what are your child's strengths? What are their interests? Then I'm going to get into what are the challenges? Because when I know your child's strengths and your and their interests, then I know how to address the challenges and I'll know who to match them with. Because I'm going to match every child with the teacher that I think is the best pair for them in terms of 
academic needs, but also personality. I like that. I like that a lot. The, uh, and, and you get a real teacher. <laughs> she's cool too. So That's... important that you get a real teacher. I don't think people truly appreciate what that means that you get a real teacher. I mean, that's why I started this because I know, I know the people who are tutoring and they're great kids, but you know, they're sitting in their dorm room. Their screen is dark. (laughs) They've got their screen off and you know, I don't know. They're where they, maybe they have normal clothes on. Maybe they don't. You know, maybe they're eating a bowl of Cheerios, but it's not a professional setting is the point. And what you get with us is you get a professional teacher that's going to really be focused on the needs of your child. Very cool. That just, you just gave me this image of someone <laughs> popping Fruit Loops, for, you know, without the milk, just eating Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah, no, the next problem, you take a look. I'm, oh, excuse me a second. I gotta eat the, I'm eating the green Fruit Loops now. We got to, you know, whatever. That's, that's funny. I, um, but you're right. That's awesome. To, to know that you have a professional teacher. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. As a principal, you know the difference between a, a really qualified teacher and someone who's not. Most definitely. Most definitely. And you appreciate <laughs> The difference, because it's uh, it, because you usually hear some comment about uh, the difference as well. You'll hear one way or the other. Right. Who did you send me to? Or who did you send me to? They're pretty good. You know, it's, it's, you can say that a little differently, can't you? You know, it's good stuff. I mean, one of the things that uh, um, I want to make sure I ask you is, what, was, what does help look like from study help? I mean, what how does that work? Can you walk us through that just a little bit? So again, it's really going to depend on what the student needs. So some students, they need help with executive function. Some students, they need help with very specific areas. Some students, so about half of our students are students who are struggling and need, really need that academic skill building. And then the other half of our students are the really high achievers who are looking for that edge. So like I said, it's super customized where we're gonna really dig into what each student needs. We're gonna find out what is the curriculum you're using? Do you use Google Classroom? Do you use Schoology? How are we gonna organize this for you? focusing on what each child needs. Honestly, everybody is different. So I can't say specifically, this is our process, other than to say our process is to pinpoint what you need. So we're not a shotgun. We're a sniper, right? We try and really target the areas that need the most focus. I like that. That's awesome. And it, Amy, it's been awesome talking with you today. Before we close, and I got a couple more questions, but if, before we close, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where'd you send them? Go to study.help. Excellent. I will have that in the show notes right there where they can find it. And so I got two more questions for you and they go like this. How do you keep going when there's so much going on that you may want to quit? You know, this is a really great question because there have definitely been moments <laughs> this year that have been really rough 
And I had one particular moment that was really rough, the, just a rough start of the day. And then my math kids started piling in and just being in themselves. And it totally changed my day because really they're the reason that I, as a teacher, keep going is that connection that I have with them and the time that we get to spend together. And they are never the problem. I just want to make that clear that I know a lot of teachers are quitting right now. It's not the students. It's not because of the students. It's everything else that's happening in the world, but it's definitely not that. They love their students. You wouldn't, you would not be a teacher if you didn't. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. That's good, good stuff. The uh, uh, great response, by the way. I, uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? You know, this is a good question because I had a fourth grade teacher and let me be honest with you. I was a wild kid. <laughs> I was a wild kid. I didn't have any pants that didn't have holes in the knees. Um, and I actually was tested for ADHD when I was a little kid and didn't, didn't get diagnosed, but I definitely had a lot of energy and Mrs. Ridgeway would read to us every day after lunch. And I remember the first book she read to us was Caddy Woodlawn. And I was just so enamored with the story. And I went and because she read to us every day, I don't know why that was so important to me, but I started reading on my own because I realized that my imagination when I was hearing these stories was so much better than anything I could see on TV, especially back in the eighties. But <laughs> I went from the lowest reading group to the highest in the course of that year, because I became obsessed with reading books. I would take myself up to bed early which a lot of parents out there would be like, really? what? <laughs> I would take myself to bed early so I could get an extra hour of reading in because I just became so just engaged in that and just loved it. And, you know, I, as a teacher, I know that just knowing that would be really powerful. I don't know that she would still be around because she was not a young teacher at that time. And I am not young. So she would probably be in her nineties right now, but I would just really say thank you for lighting that fire for me. That's so cool. That is so cool. I, I developed that question because I always wish that my, the one who made the biggest difference in my world, I wish I had reached out to her when I realized the impact she had. And because like, what you just described, mine long passed away. But uh, it's it's cool to hear people's responses to that question. So thank you so much. And, and Amy, thanks so much for talking with me today. Study Help has an awesome focus. Helping kids achieve academic success is such a needed service. I mean, wishing the best in all you do. Thank you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators.
expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.